All right, so teachers and vaccine mandates going to be a big focus today in a couple of different places. One, at the Sangamon County Courthouse, where you've got the case that uh, dozens of school staff have sued 22 school districts about vaccine and masking mandates. And another venue this is going to be heard is the Illinois State Board of Education. Uh, They're going to be hearing from some public commenters of uh, what exactly uh, the rule is going to be for uh, vaccine mandates on school staff. It is the WMAY Morning News Feed. I'm Greg Bishop. So let's touch on this. The Illinois State Board of Education is holding a public hearing this afternoon. Actually, it starts in the morning, but the public hearing aspect about uh, a rule requiring teachers to be vaccinated for COVID-19 That will be heard this afternoon. Now, this, as you've got the case that attorney Thomas DeVore's uh, law firm has with dozens of school staff and teachers suing 22 districts. Uh, So that case was continued from, uh, uh, I believe, uh, earlier this month uh, when uh, they had some uh, various oral arguments from back and forth from divorce side and from the school district side. Uh, So that case was continued. Uh, More is going to be heard on that today. Uh, We'll talk about the parents case where parents are suing school districts, uh, hundreds of parents suing 140 plus school districts over mask and exclusion policies on their children that case is actually continued and will be heard more tomorrow but today it's the vaccine mandate on teachers so uh, what ultimately is going to happen here is the public hearing for the mandatory vaccinations for school personnel Uh, this is from the illinois state board of education uh, which is uh, laying out uh, what exactly their um their virtual meeting is going to be for. Uh, so if you go to ISBE's website, isby.net, uh, you can find more information about the hearing today. Uh, but again, it starts at 9. Uh, then when you uh, check out a little bit later on the public hearing for the mandatory vaccines of school personnel, uh, you'll see there it says that uh, if you'd like to provide oral arguments or oral comment uh, at the hearing on the rules, then you have to register to speak, and uh, the meeting's going to be held virtually. Now, the registration is going to be available at 7.30 in the morning until the start of the meeting. So uh, if you want to take part in those oral arguments about uh, the teacher vaccine mandate, uh, go to isb.net. Net, and uh, you'll be able to get more details on how you can uh, uh, file some public comments or you can provide those oral comments uh, in person uh, virtually. Uh, so that's, uh, again, some of the things that are happening today uh, in, in the Illinois State Board of Education with their hearing on the vaccine rule. Uh, but when it comes to the court case, uh, this is rather fascinating because uh, they had the, the case on a temporary restraining order. Uh, they discussed it. They had all sides uh, have some arguments. But the judge took it under advisement and continued the hearing. Uh, So that hearing will be um, uh, gaveling in this morning, I believe, at about 10 o'clock. So uh, various filings back and forth. Uh, Just some of the docket entry here. It says the uh, temporary uh, restraining order emergency motion proceeds. Uh, Arguments heard on the emergency amendments. Due to time running out of the end of the day, the matter was continued to address the motion for class certification and other issues. Uh, So we'll see what ultimately happens happens 
in that case. Uh, and again, it's 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 I might be confusing some of these cases here as well. It is confusing because you've got the teachers suing over the vaccine mandates and you've got uh, uh, parents suing over mask and exclusion mandates. Two separate cases, uh, two different days will have that uh, un, un, unfold here in uh, Sangamon County Court. Uh, so those are just some of the things that are happening uh, when it comes to COVID-19 regulations. In uh, other news, Governor J.B. Pritzker has a 2.30 news conference this afternoon uh, where he's going to be uh, providing some updates on COVID-19. Now, this comes as Illinois has the COVID-19 therapies that are being made available. Uh, and those therapies are uh, from Pfizer and from Merck. Now, I got from the Illinois Department of Public Health that 3,100 doses of Pfizer's therapy and 12,600 doses of Merck's therapy are being distributed. Now, these are antivirals by prescription only, and they're for high-risk populations with mild to moderate COVID-19 symptoms. And uh, distribution of these therapies is based on uh, population per region. Uh, so you can see that uh, that could possibly be something that the governor talks about. Uh, and uh, we'll hear more about that this afternoon when the governor takes to the podium up in Chicago. Uh, meanwhile, you've got uh, the issue of unemployment fraud. Uh, and we talked with uh, State Representative Tim Butler about this yesterday. And uh, some of the uh, the overarching questions that uh, still remain on just how much unemployment fraud there has been since the pandemic started. Uh, and this is something that uh, when I delved into it a bit more, um, you, you definitely can see that uh, there's substantial amount of money uh, that uh, that could have been um, uh, lost here uh, through fraudulent means. Uh, so as, uh, as I was able to, to gather yesterday, other states, uh, they are reporting how much unemployment fraud they have. Uh, but uh, Illinois officials still remain mum. I have uh, been digging around, looking to see what I could find, went to the U.S. Department of Labor's website, and I found a spreadsheet uh, that uh, lays out how much unemployment fraud Illinois has paid out from the, uh, I believe, second quarter of 2020 to the uh, second quarter of 2021. Uh, so let me pull that uh, that data set up here, um, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll touch on just how much the U.S. Department of Labor lays out. Uh, that uh, that uh, could have been in fraudulent benefits. Uh, so from the uh, the third quarter of 2020 through the second quarter of 2021, uh, a spreadsheet from the U.S. Department of Labor shows that Illinois' fraud rates for unemployment payouts was 8.4% of $5.1 billion paid out. And that indicates $430 million in fraud during that time period. So that's just during that time period. That's just from that that window of um, the uh, uh, third quarter of 2020 through the second quarter of 2021. Four hundred and thirty million dollars in potential fraud there. Now, it's unclear when that report was published through the U.S. Department of Labor's website. A spokesperson for the U.S. Department of Labor uh, couldn't immediately be reached for comment. Uh, but when looking at other states recently, uh, it's been reported that Oregon had only $24 million in unemployment fraud in 2020. Now, um, Michigan, they reported yesterday uh, $8.5 billion of potential fraudulent claims during the pandemic. Uh, so you can see that uh, it's going to vary by state widely. Uh, and uh, what the indication here is for Illinois, at least, 
is that uh, you've got a substantial amount of fraud. Now, what's frustrating is uh, we still don't know how much fraud there's been. Uh, when we talked with State Representative Tim Butler yesterday, uh, he shared some of his frustrations and uh, just why we don't know what we don't know yet. How we cannot track that. In today's day and age, where everything is tracked, all these cards that have gone out that are electronically activated and all that, we should be able to track that stuff and, and nail these people who are committing this fraud and prosecute them. Now, again, Representative Butler uh, indicating that uh, we haven't really seen much efforts at all uh, to advance the um, um, to the taxpayers uh, how much fraud there's been. And that's a, that's a growing problem. In the General Assembly, we should be in session trying to get a handle on programs that we can uh, to address this. And really, we're doing nothing about it. And I think it does start with the Department of Employment Security coming out and being forthright with the people of Illinois as to how much fraud there is and what the program's going to be to try to to try to tackle this situation. Now, I reached out to the Illinois Department of Employment Security and have not heard back on that issue. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, meanwhile, uh, not related to COVID, uh, related to election. It's a big topic now in Washington, D.C., uh, but you have some uh, state house actors here in Illinois that are looking to give voters more power, uh, and in particular, uh, allowing for them to have certain types of um, uh, constitutional amendments in front of them. State Senator Dan McConkie, he's the uh, Senate Minority Leader, uh, he laid out some of the uh, provisions he'd like to see when it comes to um, uh, voters and uh, what kinds of things they can sound off on uh, by going to the polls. Uh, he says that uh, Illinois has a, a bit of a predicament right now in that uh, uh, regular taxpaying voters don't have much voice. The people don't have a voice. It is only those well-connected, uh, those that are in power, that are maintaining power over uh, the voters. Now, um, of course, he released a voter empowerment package, he says, that will allow for voters to uh, not only uh, have a have a constitutional amendment for a independent map making commission, uh, but also a constitutional amendment to allow for easier voter referendum, a constitutional amendment to allow for voters to vote against and repeal unpopular laws and another constitutional amendment that would uh, ultimately allow for uh, the, uh, the the recall of all elected officials up and down the ballot. So, you know, dog catcher to governor, uh, but it would also allow for people to vote to recall the Illinois House Speaker and the Senate President and also those that uh, are not elected but selected by the legislature. Uh, the Illinois Auditor General could also be recalled uh, per the, uh, the, the Senate Minority Leader's uh, proposals here. Now, I reached out for comment from the uh, uh, Senate uh, Democrats office and uh, Senate President Don Harmon's uh, spokesperson uh, said that uh, they will get the proper review of these measures. So we'll see if what happens there. But there's something else, too, that we need to consider here when it comes to elections and uh, fairness in those elections, because we have, of course, the the ongoing issue of our primary where people are out right now, Republicans, and Democrats gathering signatures. 
But the primary is a closed primary. It's only for Republicans and Democrats. Uh, we don't hear from you know the Libertarians or the Greens or any of the other non-established parties. I asked Senator McConkie yesterday uh, what his thoughts were on this, and it also piggybacks on uh, some of the conversation I had with State Representative Kelly Cassidy back in November when talking about ballot access issues. Uh, so here is uh, State Senator Dan McConkie uh, from yesterday, followed by State Representative Kelly Cassidy from November when talking about ballot access issues and should, is it time to make it more fair for all parties, not just, you know, exclusively for Republicans and Democrats? You know, I was speaking with one of the political operatives the other day who's working on primaries who indicated, you know, that from their analysis of states across the country, we have one of the most difficult ballot access uh, require, sets of requirements. It's very difficult for people to get on the ballot here in Illinois. As a result, it, it tends to bias the types of people who are able to get in there, particularly party leadership, uh, to kind of be able to limit who can get involved in the process. And at the end of the day, then limits the ability of having debates over ideas like this. I favor opening up the process. Let's have this kind of debate. Let's talk about what's best for Illinois. Time. Our election code is a, a series of booby traps and trip wires to make it possible to throw people off the ballot when you have the power of incumbency. And and so making that easier, taking away, you know, that we all have the legends of the kid that almost got kicked off the ballot because he hadn't bound his petitions properly and he took his shoelaces off to tie his petitions up. This should not be a reason to get thrown off the ballot. And this is what makes talking about electoral reform hard to build an audience for because it's the most boring parts of the law in so many ways. But, you know, whether it is the length of time between the primary and the general and what that means in terms of incumbency power, whether that is the, the role of money in politics and the role of big money in politics and, and whether or not we could, you know, level the playing field with small donor matching or some form of public financing, like all of these pieces actually bring more democracy to the process and bring more people to the process and therefore bring more faith to the process. Um, but the way we've always done it has worked out really well for a lot of people. So I think it's going to continue uh, down that road for some time. So again, that was uh, State Representative Kelly Cassidy. And before that, State Senator Dan McConkie talking about uh, ballot access. Uh, so there's some interest in having those conversations, but not much hope that anything's going to be done about making our elections in Illinois more open instead of closed. Uh, so that's a little bit of a review of some of the top stuff from the past 24 hours here on the WMAY morning news feed.